0: This is the shift podcast
1: on the shift daily podcast. We have Sandy Harding. She's the manager of the world's only remaining blockbuster. It's in Oregon. And she joins us in the shift to tell us why people keep coming back to the retro store. It's an amazing story. Tech expert Andy Barrar highlights the potential Instagram app for kids and mind reading technology from Facebook. Plus, he shares quite the embarrassing story about Vegas drinking and meeting OJ Simpson in a dive bar. You gotta hear it also in case you missed it. Producer Ryan O'Donnell with the tale of an elephant and a true dad of the year. Plus the death of super Mario. It's all on the shift daily podcast available for you every single morning when the shift is complete, download it, like it, share it with your friends. Appreciate that. Uh, just give it a Google, give it a search, whatever your favorite podcast platforms. Who is Sandy? Well, Sandy is the boss lady who was the, the boss lady of the, the last the last blockbuster. and um, Ryan was really excited. I got to tell you to get into this conversation, Sandy, because um, Ryan is an, uh, he's a nerd at heart. Um, he has some experience in that retail world similar to what the blockbuster was. so he's got some professional experience there uh, plus this whole uh, storyline. Um, How are you doing? You've been doing a lot of interviews about this very last Blockbuster, haven't you?
2: We have, over the last three years, uh, just countless interviews. And now with the movie being on Netflix, um, yeah, a lot of interviews.
1: (laughs) I can't even begin to tell you how many. (laughs) Can you get us started by helping us understand where this all began and how it's going at the last Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon?
2: Yeah, it's still going. Yeah, the store isn't closed. Yeah, we're we're busy, busy. In fact, uh, um, I went on vacation last week and got home about 5.45 on Friday night, went straight to work and was there till almost midnight because we are just so busy at the moment. Um, no, so we, uh, you know, I came to work for Blockbuster um, in 2004 And we were actually, the location I'm in opened in the early 90s. It opened in 91 um, as a Pacific video. And our owners lived right here in Central Oregon. And then they franchised to Blockbuster in 2000. So I came shortly after that. So when I came in 2004, it was like the peak of Blockbuster. That was when they had over 9,000 stores worldwide. And and they were just booming. Um, And my start, I started in August. And by... Um, December, when we opened up the new location I was hired to open, um, was the End of Late Peace program, which was such a wonderful success story. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was not at all. It was actually my introduction to Blockbuster um, to really getting going. And it was a nightmare. I mean, I understood the premise behind it because obviously people don't like to pay late fees, but unfortunately it had the opposite effect because now suddenly instead of people paying late fees, we had no movies on the shelf. So we had just as many mm. angry customers mm. as we had before. So it really wasn't um, wasn't that great. Um, so anyway, I there during the peak, Watched it. Um, you know, I was hired as a store manager. Um, about six months later, the general manager that was here um, left, and so I became the co-general manager with another gal, um, my very best friend, who was actually the reason I actually started working for Ken and Debbie, looking for my part-time job. Shout out to Melissa. This is all your fault. Um, wow. <laughs> but anyway, no, uh, you know, it, it was a lot of fun and a lot of stress at the same time. And and the wonderful part about being a franchise is that although we, you know, had to follow certain rules, there was a lot of freedom to do other things. So we were able to end the Indolate Peace program a lot sooner uh, than the corporate stores did. We were able to, you know, wear different t-shirts. You know, we had our polo shirts, but we were able to make our own blockbuster t-shirt, which is actually the same one we sell to customers. Now we've just added last on the planet on the back of it. Um, but, you know, we were able to do a lot of different things and including, you um, outsourcing our movies and buying them, you know, from different distributors, which are no longer there either. Um, but anyway, so we got to go through the whole heyday of Blockbuster and keep going. And and then um, Blockbuster filed bankruptcy, as everyone knows, um, after not buying Netflix. Um, wow. And then, That's yeah, funny. big mistake. Uh, and then shortly after that, you know, it, it just kind of started a spiral down Downhill for corporate, and and I wasn't ever involved in any type of decisions with that. But we certainly got to watch it all kind of unfold, and it was very unfortunate uh, because even though we were franchised and we were doing well and we were a strong store and a strong company, um, we still had the people coming in going, "Oh, how does it feel knowing you're going to lose your job next week?" It's like, actually, I'm not. (laughs) My store is doing really well, and we're going to stay open. And then as they as Dish Network bought the uh, corporate Blockbuster. And started closing stores. You know, it was it was just kind of a crazy experience to watch that all unfold. Um, and then it was just a matter of what we can we do to survive. Um, and everybody always comments about how we have the old IBM computers from 1992. That um, wasn't done on purpose. I can tell you, we had five stores, and we would have loved to have upgraded, but you know the the uh, state of the business was really uncertain. And to take on the expense of buying five stores worth of new computers and doing all of that just really wasn't feasible. So we kept going with what we had. So that's a little piece of nostalgia that we're grateful to have, even though we we really sometimes wish we didn't. Um, But anyway, yeah, we just got to experience all of that all the way down to the last corporate store closing. Um, And then, like I said, it was just kind of a fight to see who was going to outlast who. Sorry, that was a really long explanation. No, that's remarkable.
1: (laughs) I, I, I think it's so interesting how do you deal with the staff? How do you say, no, really, we're doing okay? No, really, we're doing okay, when day after day people are asking about the the bankruptcy around Blockbuster.
2: You know, at the time, it was tough. And we actually had to put up a lot of signs around the store um, for customers even to read, too. So people realized when they came in and were asking questions that, no, our location was fine. Our location was healthy. We weren't going anywhere. Um, And I think that it just had a lot to do with Ken and Debbie, as well as myself and Melissa and everyone that was still there during that time frame, because we believed it we knew that we were doing well we knew that we were still busy on friday and saturday night we knew that we weren't bound to those you know restraints that the corporate stores had that that if they all closed, we had to and so you know there was still some uncertainty when the final stores closed Um, because we took a little bit of a hit I mean everybody was struggling at that time you know Netflix was really getting going and Redbox was rolling out and all the streaming services were starting to you know really take off and and so we were still struggling I mean we were feeling it just like everybody else Um, but the store has always been very healthy and so even though we took a hit we were able to make cuts and do the things we needed to do in order to keep going oh did I lose you guys
0: Oh, we're here! Oh, wow! Just taking it all in. I mean, so <laughs> why, why Bend, Oregon? Why has this blockbuster store survived the storm of digital movies and media?
2: You know, I think it has a lot to do with the community. You know, Bend has always been incredibly supportive, um, and. You know they really love movies. You know, at at one point we had four blockbuster stores. We had a Hollywood Video store. We had several local mom and pops. We even had one of the grocery stores that had movie renting out of it. And we were like maybe sixty thousand people. So it wasn't a very big community to have that many video stores. And so I think it really has to do a lot with the community. Um, They knew that we were local. So they knew that Ken and Debbie lived in town and would frequently see, even though they didn't work in the store, they would frequently see them and they knew them from when they were Pacific video. Um, You know, we did a lot of uh, community um, things, you know, we really did a lot of donations and different things. We were out there. We, you know, every year we would do a Humane Society event in the store that was always fun. In fact, that's where I got my cat the first year that I worked there. Um, And so it was just, You know, being a part of the community, we've always um, really tried hard to um, support local as much as we're asking them to support us and really getting the message out there that we were locally owned. Even though we operated under the big name, we were locally owned and that we were still Pacific Video even after, you know, we changed names.
0: It's funny, that community is so strong because I I watched the documentary and from what I took from it, I... I would imagine that if you announced our store is closing, I could see almost every citizen of Bend, Oregon (laughs) running to make sure that that did not happen. So, I mean, you know, where, what do you, how do you sell this experience? So let's say somebody who's never seen a blockbuster in their life before millennial, 18 years old, grew up with Netflix, Mm -hmm. they come to Bend, Oregon, and they see the blockbuster sign and go, what the heck is that? How do you sell that to someone who doesn't know how awesome it was to go and rent movies?
2: You know, I I, I think that I really don't have to very hard because I think there's definitely enough um, blockbuster fans out there in the world that are telling these younger generations of the things that they're missing. Um, but I think it would just be about that social interaction. You know, I think that, um, you know, when social media really started going, everybody got used to being at home and isolated, and especially now with COVID, everybody, you know, is, is fed up with being isolated and, and by themselves. And so as we're all getting vaccinated and, and kind of moving forward in the world right now, I think it's that social interaction that is the piece that Blockbuster offered that Netflix does not. So you can come in and whether you're talking to an employee or you're talking to another customer or, you know, anybody about a movie, um, it's, it's something special to be there and actually having that conversation. You can't have that conversation with your computer. You can't have that conversation, you know, with your TV screen, with Amazon prime or with Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service that you offer. Um, you know, I, I have Disney plus too. I absolutely love it. And my husband loves all the Marvel stuff that's on there, but I can't have a conversation with it. And so it's nice to go down and talk to an employee and be like, Hey, did you watch, you know, the after credits for Captain Marvel, or whatever, or the end game? And what do you think the next movie is going to be about? Or, you know, do you think it's following the comic books? And so, um, you know, those are things that people miss doing when they're at home. So I think that's the part that I would really push is that social interaction, the thing that we're all really needing.
1: Hmm. That's true, too. Because the only thing that I've really ever done is like, I need another drink. (laughs) That's the only thing I talk about. (laughs) So uh, this seems like a An obvious question. Do you rent the last Blockbuster in the last Blockbuster?
2: (laughs) We absolutely do. Yeah, it was it was kind of fun knowing that, you know, we had it first. Um, There are so many things that Netflix has a lot of original content and they have great original content. I mean, I I watch a lot of documentaries and different things on there. And, uh, you know, they always have it and then we have to wait and tell our customers that, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. You can't, you know, watch this program yet. Cause Netflix hasn't released it on DVD. So it was really cool that we got it first. We had it in the store in November, we got to rent it to our customers and enjoy it with them before it went on Netflix. So that was kind of a fun so thing. Cool.
1: You're a little bit of a celebrity now you have become <laughs> the, uh, you've become exactly what it is that you've been selling for 15 years.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm very honored and very fortunate to get to be the face of our store and Blockbuster. Um, I am not naive to think that I could be a one-woman show because trust me, I cannot do my job without those wonderful people that come in every day and, and you know, do the the tough parts, answering the, you know, 100 phone calls that people call. And, and it's so frustrating. People will call and just to hear us answer the phone and then they'll hang up. And I'm like, oh man, please at least say hello. Don't, yeah. don't make us go through all that work <laughs> <laughs> to answer the phone. So, I mean, I know I've got, a bunch of you know college kids working for me and i i know that it wears on them after a while after the you know hundredth time of of saying the same thing is yes we're open yep you're a real store it wasn't just a movie um you know and and god bless them they have toughed it out and kept a smile on their face and you know when no one's looking we share some of the crazy stories that we get phone calls we get but um no it's a quite a ride and we're enjoying every minute of it and it's great for our store it's great for our community again you know we have everything we have in the store is either made, you know, in Bend or made through a Bend company. So, you know, our t-shirts are all printed by a father and son team in a, I swear, I think it's less than a thousand square feet building that they're in. It's an old gas station. It's tiny. Um, So, I mean, everything is done in our community and it's that community love and support that we share with everyone else in Bend that again, like we talked about earlier, kind of keeps us going.
1: I, um, I'm curious as to I mean, I it's been so long since I've been in a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense. Um, <laughs> there's it not a lot to go <laughs> to. It hasn't been around for a while. Um, how like would we be surprised inside your store for those who haven't seen the documentary, for those who are just recalling back to the classic video store, if you will. How is it different today in order to survive? I'm assuming things like kind of like the movie theaters have done, the add on things like candy and, and those sorts of things selling popcorn that must be a a big staple of of part of the the business at this point
2: well that actually always has been you know we still have i think the only real change we had is we went from coke to pepsi um but we've always had um all the the people always call and ask if we saw the popcorn tubs which were wonderful and no unfortunately the company that made those weren't able to supply it for you know such a small group um but yeah no we we still the do all those things. I think the biggest thing now when you come in, you know, the store looks the same. It's still the same blue and gold, still has the popcorn ceiling, still has all the original signage. I think the biggest part is right in the middle of the store now we have etched out a section of our back wall that is kind of like a memory wall. And so we have, you know, the John Oliver stuff is back there and we have letters that people have sent us and pictures with celebrities when they've come into the store and, and just different things. You know, we have a display case of things people will send us. And I mean, people send us you know, their old gift cards or, you know, old, you know, trinkets that they bought at a Blockbuster store somewhere and just things like that, that we can display as part of our, you know, memories kind of a thing. And I think that's the biggest change. And then the t-shirts, of course, you know, now we, now we have t-shirts and keychains and all kinds of fun things that if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. I would never be selling t-shirts out of a video store. Um, But yeah, I think that's the biggest part is just all the, you know, the merch, the stuff that we sell now. Um, Mm. But the rest of it's the same. I mean, you walk in and, you know, we still have an action section. We still have a television section. You know, we still have 99 cent weekly rentals in the family section. Um, You know, all of those things are all still the same. We just have that center part of the store that's now, you know, memories.
1: um, Some, I'm assuming you probably, do you sell more DVD players than you used to? Because for people who don't have them, uh, as opposed to back in the old days, we used to rent the VHS to the beta machines, right when you didn't have one. Yeah, Um, I'd be curious about that. And then just a second part to that question really is um, with some of the video game platforms doing still playing Blu-ray Are is Blu-ray a big part of your world?
2: Yeah, Blu-ray definitely is. And now 4k is actually taking off a little bit slower. Um, I have not invested in 4k yet just simply because they're super expensive still Um, expensive as in I'd have to rent it a lot in order to for us to make our money back. And there just doesn't seem to be a big enough demand for us to invest in that just yet. But as far as the DVD players go, um, we actually don't rent them or sell them in the store. And in fact, I had a a family come in today. They were um, on vacation from Arizona, spring break, and the dad wanted his daughters to experience Blockbuster and they'd seen the movie. So they came in and rented a couple of DVDs and went to the local Goodwill and bought a DVD player, watched them and then (laughs) re-donated the DVD player back to the Goodwill on their way out of town. So which I thought was wonderful. And That um, that was very creative. For the dad i thought that was pretty pretty smart thinking um but you would be surprised we actually had um some people come out and do some filming in the store and you know we get vhs tapes donated to us from all over the country which is fabulous because you know nothing's better than opening up a an old vhs case and finding you know something really cool inside that, that came with the original we've got brand new ones that people have had at their house and never been opened and that's pretty amazing to me too but um, but anyway, we don't rent them anymore, but we do sell them and people love to see them, but I've had a gal come in who was with a film crew and we had sliding doors on VHS favorite movie of all times. And she was like, Oh, and I was like, just, just take it, take it home with you. You know, it's a gift from me for all the hard work you guys have done in the store this week. So they were staying at an Airbnb and that Airbnb actually had an old VHS tape player. And she took pictures of herself watching that VHS tape and sent them to me. And I thought that was the best thing in the world. I laughed so hard and thought it was great that she got to experience that. That
1: is cool. that experience. a good movie, I would say. One of my favorites. <laughs> great movie. Uh, kind of the kismet driven sliding doors is she misses her train, I think is how it starts. Mm-hmm. And she the doors close in the train. And then it goes into sort of this parallel storyline if she had made the train, and when she didn't make the train and the outcome. Uh, let's just say is drastically different, but yet still kind of the same in the movie.
2: You know, I often wonder what I would have done if Melissa wouldn't have given me my part-time job when I, I desperately wanted to out of the house and away from my three little boys that were driving me crazy. Um, you know, if I hadn't done that, where I'd be now, you know, 17 years later. So anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. What a storyline it's become for you. Now, Ryan, I'm almost certain Ryan has a question about... Uh, a movie. See, Brian's a big fan of a few things. He's a big fan of sneakers. He's a big fan of movies. He's a big fan of Lego. And I yep. know, I just know, I know well enough to know that there's a question about a favorite movie or something. I can see his like eyebrows
0: are moving and that's when he <laughs> gets excited. Well, I have, so I have a question. Now, the first thing, I, I need to be completely honest. I would 100% wear a Blockbuster Polo. Those classic, <laughs> the blue with the gold collar. Yep. 100% I would wear one of those. I, I worked at EB Games, which is like GameStop in yep. Canada. And uh, every now and then we would get the really cringy, you know, work shirts. And I've had people ask me, can I buy that off you? It's cool. It's fashion. The Blockbuster shirt would be the most amazing talking piece, right? (laughs) But what I was thinking is actually a question about Blockbuster from my past. So I didn't go to Blockbuster a lot. In Canada, the big two were Blockbuster and uh, Rogers Video. So we used to go to Rogers Video, same business model, you know exactly the same kind of format but one day we went to blockbuster because roger's video did not have spy kids 3d (laughs) but blockbuster did so i go up to the counter past the candy aisle everything i put the dvd on the counter and i say that has the 3d glasses in it right and the guy said no so i had to watch it in non-3d so this is my question sandy Mm -hmm. if i come to bend oregon to watch a spy kids 3D DVD from your store. Will, can I expect to find a pair of 3D glasses somewhere in there?
2: At this point, no. However, oh. you <laughs> would have had you been there at our store years ago. In fact, in I don't even know if I have the 3D version anymore of Spy Kids, um, of the Spy Kids 3D. I think we um, I don't think we have that version, but I, you know, I there was another the show, um, Shark Tale and Lava Girl or shark boy
0: and lava girl Girl, yeah
2: and i remember watching that one and we had that my son had you know lost his glasses or something and trying to watch that oh my gosh trying to watch a 3d movie without the glasses is horrendous so i i feel terrible for you um but no we used to have them a lot nowadays it's really hard to get them um you know they were all those old paper cardboard things now when you go to the theater they give you great ones that are like sunglasses quality um, and we used to keep them and we would give them out and then we would check them back in. And if you didn't bring them back, you got charged a dollar because, you know, um, we couldn't replace them, but could you imagine with COVID and everything else right now, trying to give out cardboard, set, you know, 3d glasses to multiple people. Um, I don't think that would go over very well. So yeah,
0: especially some crazy Canadian who hopped the border <laughs> just to get some spy kids, 3d Who
2: knows what you're bringing <laughs> from Canada with you. Yeah, so, um, yeah, exactly.
0: Trust me with Ryan. You never know. <laughs> you never
1: know.
2: Oh, that's so funny. But I'm I, I'm sorry to say that no, unfortunately, we don't have 3D glasses in the store at the moment.
0: It's fair. I'll bring my own. I okay. uh, absolutely, if if I find myself in Oregon, which I am hoping to do, so I can uh, check out the Nike campus relating uh-huh. back to sneakers. You will absolutely see me at the blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. No question.
2: Well, I'm a big fan of Phil's as well, so I'm an Oregon fan, and I. I have season tickets every year and um yeah you're good
0: there you go good
1: i love the story and and sandy i think it's i i the cool part is i think even if you were to ever leave this i can't imagine that being a thing but if you ever were to leave this there's an awful lot of businesses that would take you on as a general manager just for overcoming what was blockbuster corporate to still keeping the name. Following the rules until you couldn't follow the rules anymore, but still keeping the name alive, all of that business stuff, keeping people there and somehow having this all become a thing. I mean, the good news is is your resume is dynamite <laughs> right now. Um if you oh. ever did, I'm not saying you will. I mean, everything's amazing, knock on the wood and all that stuff, but I mean you're in a pretty good place. So um I was gonna say, did you, it's been did a fun conversation for us too. So you've noticed that.
2: No, you're fine. And uh, I'm assuming you watched the documentary. Um, and you probably see that little snippet about our, our uh, retirement plan. We had now have four and a half years before my husband retires. And he's like, What do you think? And I'm like, "Eh, we got five more years to go. So I think that uh, I'll be around for a little while.
1: It's amazing. Uh, thank you so much. Sandy Harding, um, general manager, blockbuster Bend, Oregon, and, uh, and the, the, the best what was the last movie you watched from work.
2: <laughs> You're going to laugh, but it was The Shining, and my kids at work will tell you that I they come in at least once a week, and I was watching The Shining yesterday again on VHS in my office. This is The Shift Podcast.
1: We are going to dig into our conversation, as we like to do on the Monday slash Tuesday morning here uh, with Handy Andy Barrar. Disco Andy.
3: Yes, you know it's I've, Andy handy when the disco music comes.
1: I, um, I've i heard Disco Andy stories.
3: Where? where, where what, what kind of stories have you heard? These are Las Vegas
1: stories, baby. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Handy Andy, um, when he goes to these tech conferences, I've been told, uh, gets all the hard work done, but does like to have fun.
3: I get in trouble a lot at nighttime, you know, to the point where I'm like, am I going to survive this night or not? So I don't know what <laughs> kind of stories you've heard, <laughs> but I, I've been a bad, bad boy in Vegas many times. So, And I'm not even uh, a so, bad boy, Shane. That's the thing. So
1: I'm going to look carefully. Handy Andy's on our Zoom call here, um, and I'm just going to look him deeply here in his face. I'm going to say a name and then I'm going to see the reaction on his face.
3: Uh oh, uh oh. I kind of know who you're going to say because there's only one really, really, really bad story that I had. And there was a witness to this story. (laughs) I think I know. He's in your province. I have a feeling I know who it is.
1: Is he, is he, uh, is it Mike Yanni?
3: Yes. Oh, Uh -oh. yes. (laughs) He's got, he's got the most legendary story. Was it me taking a shot and Something happening after the shot that I took. Oh, no. You know the story, right? It was a story. Yeah, I'm was... not. Hey, I'm not putting anything out there. You can tell your you own story. Tell... Do you want me is... to tell it? I will tell. I will as tell long anybody. as you don't I get have... in trouble. I... Yeah. No, I can't get in trouble anymore. So I, I can tell the story. Do you... Am I <laughs> going to tell the story right now? Am I yeah, telling the story? Mike Yanni is the entire... gadget
1: guy. He's amazing. Yes. And, uh, and these guys are buds. So
3: Okay. So here's what happened. To in the entire Canadian population, I'm gonna tell you what happened. Uh-oh. So, Las Vegas is a crazy place, and and we got invited to this Star Wars theme party. And I told my crew, I'm like, listen, it's gonna go crazy in that party. I just want to eat something. Please let me eat something before I go into this crazy club. And everyone's like, I want burgers, I want this, I want that. And I was trying to explain to my crew. I'm like, "Do you guys understand that we're in a city where 170,000 people just landed and are all trying to have dinner at the same time?" So, long story short, I never got to have dinner. I went to a deli and they gave me a little sandwich. Next thing you know, I'm in this club with the Star Wars theme and they're doing all these weird shots, right? And these aren't normal shots, Shane. Not like when you go to a normal club in Alberta or in British Columbia or in Ontario. These were like Star Wars shots, and um, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't go well with my stomach when I took it, and it came right <laughs> back out. And guess who saw? Guess who saw it come out? Right on the dance floor, Gadget Guy, Mike Yanni, and he was the witness. To this, this, oh. this, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. And it was not my finest moment, but one of the finest men that I know watched it happen. And <laughs> to him, that is the most legendary story of Andy Barrar that he has was <sighs> I saw Andy project something coming out of his mouth that he put in. You know, moments before and that's that's the story. So there I know you. I already know that's the good. story, Shane, that you have. The you, recreation, that's the story, right? That's the story. The re- right?
1: I, well, you're worried that there's another one. See, that's the thing. That's no, no, why I'm no, not no. telling that's you because you're that's like, is there another, like, another one? There's gotta be oh, another one. Oh, there is one, is one there more.
3: Another? There's there's the OJ Simpson story <laughs> that I haven't even told everybody about. That was that was even worse than that story when I met <sighs> OJ Simpson at a dive bar in Las Vegas. It gets worse. <laughs> it's worse. You know, okay, can I just say one thing? If you're a tech guy and you made OJ Simpson in a dive bar and you just happen to have conversations with them and someone takes a picture of you with OJ Simpson, do not post that on social media. And in my drunken stupor, I thought that was a good idea because it was like a scene out of the Hangover movie. And um, yeah, that was so me, Andy Barrar, Las Vegas, Consumer Electronics Show. It's just a recipe for disaster. But all right. So, COVID here. has served
1: you well, really, is what you're saying.
3: Well, Yeah. Think about it. Shane, Shane, you know me. I started jumping rope. I lost weight. I'm like a new man, right? So, I, when I go to back yeah. to Las Vegas, everyone's like, yo, you look like Floyd Mayweather. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a yeah. new man. I'm a new man. You're I've, a new I've man. changed. I've learned my lesson. Do not hang out with OJ Simpson. Do not take shots at a Star Wars all you can drink. Uh, event so there it is i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> wow I'm a, I'm a i'm a progress i'm 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 uh yeah work i make work a lot progress. of mistakes in my life yeah yeah, yeah progress. that's great yeah i love that that's uh
1: that's absolutely bad, bad amazing story. yeah yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, that's so good. I think it's. I think that's that's wonderful. Um, no, no, I, Jay,
3: there's well, nothing wrong. No, no, no. This is all. This is the stuff that makes me like lose sleep at night. Going, what was I doing? What you nah. know? So, so it's funny now, but, but I did have uh, a very very intimate conversation with O.J. Simpson. Not about did he do it or not, but uh, about um, you know, what would he do if he was not a football player. And apparently he got drafted in the uh, major leagues. Nobody knows that, but didn't know that. No, I did not know in a dive bar. OJ Simpson told me that story. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Andy Barrar,
1: handy, Andy media. If you want to check it out online, we might get him to start telling some of his Vegas stories online. That could be a good thing too. Uh, But tonight we are going to dig into some mind reading. I was going to mind read the story, but you just you recreated your, Shot recreation quite vividly for us there. So where are we going here with Facebook and mind reading? Because that's even worse than bad.
3: Well, it's just, yeah. It's like, can it get worse than Andy Barr in Las Vegas? Yes, it can. Yes, Mark it can. Zuckerberg <laughs> is trying to read what you're going to type with your wrists. And so what facebook is trying to do right now shane is put these little adapters it's like in you know like in the 1980s you would have these little you know you put your wristbands on when you had sweat and you would like you know wipe the sweat off well what facebook is trying to do is they realize that there's so many neurons in our wrists that could actually predict how we type and so what facebook is trying to do is saying you guys don't need a keyboard. All you need to wear is our wristbands and you can type and we can predict what you're writing. And so that's where they see the future of just typing. And so they're trying to, because obviously Facebook's got a lot of money because you know they've been selling all these ads on every time we're on the newsfeed. So they're trying to figure out the new way of typing and they're trying to do it with our wrists. They're trying to predict the, the the letters that we type with our wrists, Shane. And this is one of those, one of those, those, um, you know, in their in their in their database where they're trying to figure out how do we get the next generation. Well, they're trying to do it without us typing. They're just trying to do it with our wrists.
1: Well, that's interesting to me because my my kids don't type. Like they're terrible at typing, and they admit that they're like, oh my god, because their handwriting is atrocious. They can't. They uh, they can't even read script, let alone uh, it's printing only, and they haven't done no work at clean handwriting. And frankly, you know, I'm, I don't say this to to pick on my kids, but they do look like they print like a seven year old, and they have no experience with printing. They have no experience with typing. They do use dictate from time to time. So I'm not quite sure how this technology goes forward when you have a whole new generation of people who aren't even typing anyway.
3: Wait, 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 wait. When you say your kids don't type, you mean they don't actually put their fingers like the proper like position on the keyboard or do they like a just proper keyboard like,
1: typing? No, they thumb type. All they know how to do is thumb type or swipe.
3: And oh, um the only
1: see, the only time they type is when they have to write a report or something, and they'll often use the dictate on the Mac to do it.
3: Okay, so I'm just going on a rant for a second, Shane. But like when I was a kid, you know, I was growing up in the eighties and the nineties, right? We didn't know computers were going to be a big thing. So when we're in typing class, you know, me, you can imagine Handy Andy as a boy. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to I'm just going to type with my two fingers here and do as fast as everybody else. I had no idea, Shane, that typing would be a thing. It bugs me the fact that your kids, you know, what is it, 20, 30 years later, don't realize that typing is is a thing you know like you need to learn to do yeah. this because you're gonna do it for the rest of your life you know we didn't know that back in the 80s and 90s that this was like the new way of communicating so that that, that kind of scares me it's just i know it you. Is, it-
1: it's a scare. It is, and it does scare me as much as the handwriting does. And that you know, I can't even write in a card in script to them. You know how much I'm proud of them or whatever. I've got to print it so they can read it.
3: I mean, Curse it's my boy. Yeah. Yo, yo, do you want to talk about cursive writing? They don't even they don't even teach that anymore. They don't no. even teach how. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Um It is crazy. It is all crazy. Now to to the next point of the the conversation here. It is Facebook again, and it's for kids. Now they're creating a uh uh. Facebook is creating an Instagram platform. If you don't know, it is the same company, but it's an Instagram platform for users under 13. And we, we've had conversations here on the shift about the apps that manipulate your body. The, uh, we're working on a, this series of things about algorithms and how algorithms are working on TikTok and taking away, like, if you got a really bodacious, curvy woman in a bikini, th- sometimes those, um, those, uh, videos are getting kicked out. When the exact same video is published by someone who's skinny in a bikini. So there's all kinds of algorithms for body image that are terrible for kids. And now an Instagram for kids can't be a good idea.
3: No. And and so Instagram is trying to tell, oh, we've heard from parents that they their kids want to have Instagram accounts. But Shane, can we can we just get real for a second? Is this really a good idea to get young kids? No. You know, like no. I'm just, you know, why can't kids just be kids? You know, why? Cause I know what, what Facebook is trying to do. They're trying to get the next generation of, of their, their clientele, but to get young kids, when you think, and here's the research that shows most kids, especially adolescent kids, you know, when they're talking to people, they're not having normal conversations. They're, they're like expressing their feelings about depression and whatnot and, and talking about suicide, but you don't know who they're talking to. And then you have adults who might have the potential of talking to kids who are on Instagram. So this creates a just a huge issue. And I'm really upset to tell you Shane, to tell you the truth, why Facebook and Instagram would try to you know, entice kids to join their platform why can't we just let kids be kids ride bikes hang out with your friends take a stick you know make a game out of it just just be kids you don't need to be on social media it is such a A bad idea.
1: uh, There is the Facebook Messenger for Kids app, which allows kids to message. So it gets them used to the interface. It gets them used to how it works. And nothing happens without the parent's approval, which is a good idea in theory. But I also know that with my friends that have it, when you have it and there's a phone call, and the Messenger Kids app goes off, you get notified that your kids are phoning somebody. You get notified. So what happens is you get buried in notifications that your kids are making phone calls because, it's, you know, everyone knows what it's like when you get a group chat. So now you've got a group chat, and now you've got eight people who are messaging back and forth and phoning or calling in and making a group conversation, and now you're getting notified and notified and notified and notified. Well, what happens? You turn off the notification because it's it's literally overwhelming for the parents, and... Because you've got your own stuff you got to worry about. And so this is the, uh, you know, it's almost like they're playing into the busyness of it all to make parents just go, bah, turn it off, let the kids have it.
3: So what do you think about that? Because I just think it opens a Pandora box of just. Oh, absolutely. Like it is. This, I, it's the same like, thing. Why do um, we allow this? Why do we allow this?
1: Well, we do though. And that's the thing is I don't, I don't get it. I, 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 I tried to wait for my kids. I think they were 14 before they were allowed to have Snapchat and everything else. And the deal was is that we had to have the passwords because we couldn't just let them get into those conversations because. The thing about adults get it wrong on social media, like you and your OJ story. I mean, we get it wrong on social media by posting a picture that we're in the hindsight. We're like, yeah, well, that wasn't a good idea or saying something or commenting on something and not realizing the implications on other people. So if we as adults can't even get it right all the time with an innocent mistake, then, you know, how are kids going to get it right? Especially when they comment on something and someone asks a question, you know, do you like my hair or something? And so someone replies and says, no. <laughs> <laughs> right? um, And with no explanation. I mean, I think those are the kinds of things that you say when you're in person with one another, and, and it has to go that way. Thank you, Andy, for bringing it up. Handy Andy Media, uh, is you want to check him out on the Twitter and on the website and all those things, give it a Google. Um, it's great to see your face, buddy. Thanks for being here again.
3: My pleasure. Anytime, Shane.
1: Andy Barrar and Handy Andy Media, check him out on the Twitter, and he's got the videos and all kinds of stuff there uh, for you to check out as well.
0: This is the shift podcast.
1: All right, let's get going with In Case You Missed It.
0: In Case You Missed It on the Radio, Here's Ryan O'Donnell. I still think that one's my favorite. I really do. That could be my too. Best. I <laughs> Mine really too. like that one. Yeah, that one's just a little bit uh difficult to intro me in without the clip, but uh, it's still funny. Uh, you know. <laughs> I want to jump right in. Oh, wait. No. Do you got something there, Shane? You look like just you this. really want to say something. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan. If you got the button ready, just hit it. I love it. Ryan. You know. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> now you know how to shut me up. You can just play that over and over and over Ryan. again. You have to get a Shane one. Damn. There it Back is. That to work, too. You know. Shania Twain once said something very, very wise. Don't be stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Don't be stupid. Okay? (laughs) Unfortunately, not enough people listen to Shania Twain. And here is an example. These guys right away were saying, that elephant is going to charge. Yeah, it did. And And it did. We told him to get out. He turned around. He saw it. Thankfully, just in time. He runs, throws his baby through the gate. And it's seconds from just hitting him he jumps through the gate falls the baby's on the ground and that's when the it roared. Thing.
3: the poor baby's sobbing the baby crying. starts crying
0: we're all like yeah and people are just mad at this guy oh my goodness no okay so, throws his yes.
1: babies through the gate
0: <sighs> father yes. of the year you know we, we there's been a lot of very serious news stories so i find some stories that fade into the background are just dumb people ones uh, main ones you hear are covid right? That's the main stupid people story you hear. This, though, is a classic example of a dad being a really dumb dad. <laughs> a father in the States is facing child endangerment charges after breaching an elephant enclosure at the San Diego Zoo with his oh, toddler. No. Only to be chased out of the pen by a very big and very, very angry African elephant. Police say the man allegedly brought the two-year-old girl into the pen so he could get a photo with the elephant last Friday. So what's going through his mind? "Eh, It's an elephant. Elephants are friendly. He won't mind if I just breach through the gate and, you know, I, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, Challenge his territory? It's not a problem. Zoo officials say the suspect breached multiple barriers and purposely and illegally trespassed into the habitat. So there's actually a video of the incident and I recommend you watch it. However, it's also the sound, the sound this elephant makes. I I you know I love elephants. I think Shane they they're your favorite animal, right? They're absolutely my favorite animal. Yeah. Elef- you know what an elephants, you know, uh I don't roar, cry. I don't know what what Trumpet. What, what am I? Trumpet sounds like it's friendly. It's like, "Oh, an elephant." but this is an angry trumpet cry, and it's spooky. So while you can't see this elephant right now, you can really hear it. Oh, oh. 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 They really had to bleep out the elephant there. Yeah, the elephant was swearing in his native tongue. <laughs> <laughs> wow. it, it is a... Now, the video, it, it's pretty far away, so you can't quite see the baby getting pretty much thrown through, but he did. And that interview that Fox did with the person at the zoo who saw this was not exaggerating when he said that that elephant was seconds away from charging into this man. Jose Manuel Navarrete... 25 year old, he was arrested on suspicion of child endangerment and he's being held on $100,000 bail thankfully, no one was injured, including the elephant the elephant is fine so that's good, and the elephant's not at fault here, not at all, dumb dad dumb dad no kidding, dumb dad Whoa! This is like, you know, the dad, you know, picks up the baby. And uh, I remember like going to Niagara Falls. My dad would put me on his shoulders to like see the falls closer. But even he didn't, you know, here, let me hang you over the railing. Lean so over. An even better view. That's the absolute limit. And even then that's still really stupid. This is like next level. Yeah. That's remarkable. I mean, we all yeah. do stupid stuff when we panic. But yeah, holy moly. I just wanted a picture. So remember... Shania Twain said it best: "Don't be
1: stupid." That is, um, I mean, I guess yeah, I guess why that um, people would think that an elephant is friendly. I mean, the reality is, is that you know the ones we see on shows, they're well trained. I mean, they're smart animals. We see pictures of them online all the time. You know, at I I see pictures of them online at the time because I follow a bunch of elephant sanctuaries and stuff like that. So I kind of get that 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 part. Is a thing, but to think that that you would do that just on your own, and be like, Oh, wicked man, I got an idea. That that's absolutely mind blowing to me. I can't believe that. Yep. Wow. Insane.
3: People well insane to quote insane. uh
1: to quote Trucker Dan, is that guy a Darwin award hopeful? Um oh,
0: I'd say yeah. of of twenty twenty one we got a top contender for Darwin Award. Yeah, big time. Yep. Mark that story. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually think next year, and before New Year's, we should do a Darwin Award, <laughs> uh, the shift Darwin Award of Yeah, the stupidest the, stories of the New year. Yep, yeah. yeah. Okay. I will be saving good it. Good idea. Show me. Right. Well done. No. Yeah, moving on to something a little bit more serious, uh but a a good conversation that, nevertheless. Movie fans in Alberta, including myself, were a little bummed after hearing this news today. Conservative caucus members took to social media Monday, urging the province to proceed to step three of reopening. But Alberta's health minister says making that move comes with too much risk. Alberta now sits at 280 COVID hospitalizations, which is a rise of 16 from a week ago. And this is a
1: problem and a warning sign that we must take seriously.
0: And by today, I mean Monday. Yeah. So... Here we are phase three reopening paused, which I agree with cases went down and now they're back up a bit, not to a very scary amount, but definitely up and hospitalizations are up as well. Now, the interesting stat here is that a stage three reopening was indoor gatherings with restrictions and places like movie theaters could reopen if hospitals were below the 300 case benchmark. This is where I for a window of time too. It had to be below for that for three weeks, I think. So now we are only at two hundred and eighty, but the number is going up. And there is no doubt by the end of this week we will probably have three hundred cases in hospitals, right? Yeah. But here's where I'm a little here's where I'm a little conflicted is that movie theaters, despite the fact that it seems like a place where COVID would transmit very easily, there have been zero cases of covid-19 transmission in any cineplex throughout the entire covid pandemic not one Mm. now that might be unreliable with contract tracing being kind of a disaster in this country Uh, it might not be a clear statistic however that stat is a little surprising indoor mask off however it is a massive well-ventilated building And I was getting really excited. There are many movies that are coming to theaters, especially Godzilla versus Kong. That's the kind of movie you want to see in a movie theater uh, that now I'll have to watch on my couch. And I know that for me, one of the things I really miss throughout the pandemic is going to a movie theater. And now my roommate is also a big movie nut. So the idea of being able to go to those theaters again was really exciting. And I feel really conflicted on this because... If the theaters reopened tomorrow and I went and saw Godzilla next week, I probably would not get COVID. But is there a chance that I could because they opened them? Yeah. So I don't know where I feel on that. How do you guys feel? Yeah.
1: Well, I feel like the um, it has to be the right decision. Here's the catch, though, is that um, when they made the... This is the thing about life is made up of agreements. It's a series of agreements. It's that simple. And when you make an agreement with somebody, you say, well, we're going to get to stage three if we're open under 300 for three weeks. That's fundamentally what they said. And it's been that. It's been really low, 220, stuff like that. So it's been really great. The difference between Alberta and Ontario is Alberta's case numbers have been a little bit higher than Ontario's per capita. Um, but the reality is, is that the hospitalizations have been drastically different. So... Here's the thing. They didn't put in the original agreement because we all said, just give us a number, give everybody a number, and then Mm. we can hold ourselves accountable to the number Well, they gave the number, but they didn't say not trending upwards. So they got to the number and now we're tickling the threshold and it's headed in the wrong direction. So the hospitalization numbers are a week to two week delay of the actual numbers. We've seen that now as a thing. And so now that the numbers are going up, most likely in a week or two, hospitalizations are going to go up too. I would love for those things to open. To your point about Cineplex, though, is that there are many businesses that have been shut down. So, for example, uh, they've made some comments about spin studios, um, this smaller, not very well ventilated. And there has been certain cases where martial arts studios have had some COVID but there are other similar industries that have had no COVID transfer, but you got to draw the line somewhere. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you've got to group some things together. One of the things that didn't make sense was, uh, kids were allowed to go to school and go to, uh, gym class. And even my kids say this, they're, they're in gym class with no masks on in gym class and they're playing sports and tossing balls at each other dodgeball or whatever it's not like anyone's hand sanitizing the dodgeball before they pick it up and then they go back into class and they put masks on but then if you were in gymnastics you can't go to your gymnastics gym right so it is fuzzy and it is not okay like i can't i can't my my point in it is that i can't go to a hockey rink when there's nine guys and a coach on the ice right i can't go to a hockey rink a big old hockey rink and watch but at the same time, we can stuff people into a Costco and have people passing each other total strangers. And at least the hockey people I know, right? Like I know who the <laughs> the Lucy Lucy Goosey ones are. So it's unclear for everybody, I guess to my point as to your statement about Cineplex and whatever is it's just not that clear. and I would rather see them at this point. I want to see it reopen too, but I would rather see them be careful now, especially with what's going on. But at the same time, I, I will reiterate this. I said it when there was a second wave coming. I will say it again. It's not a third wave. Uh, it is, it is a new, um, change in it. And I get the, the, the metaphor of a wave, but the reality is, is when we call it a wave, I think we take the responsibility off ourselves. I think that when we call it, it's the third wave of COVID is coming or the fourth wave of COVID. I think that we take the responsibility of our, off ourselves and we blame COVID. Well, COVID's not the problem, friends. It's really not. It's a bunch of jackasses who go get drunk in someone's house, which Mm -hmm. has been referred to as the number one, you know, um, spreader event. So that's why I don't like it when we get loose with our language around this, because when we say it's a third wave, well, you know what? It's not a third wave. It's a bunch of people who were dumb and then they, and they, they didn't follow the rules. And, and then what happened is, is now there's more cases and that's what it is. when we called a third wave. I think we gave away, we take away the accountability on it. Sorry. That was a bit of a soapbox. My apologies. No,
0: I mean, no, you took it and you went with it and I agree. I would much rather watch a dumb movie with Godzilla and King Kong than be surrounded by dumb people. as Shania has said, don't be stupid, you know, wear a mask so we can return to this, uh, this life that we all miss and, and make it better. Uh, so here's one quick story that I have to talk about because this one almost makes me even more angry <laughs> than the Cineplex one, than COVID restrictions. Nintendo is doing something really stupid. They have made a decision that they will not explain, that makes no rational sense, and the internet has really held them accountable. So it has marked March 31st as a new... National Day of Celebration and marking And I actually made a little Song to mark This new day So bye Bye Miss American Pie drove my Chevy To the levee but the Levee was dry
2: And then good
0: old boys Were drinking whiskey and rye Singing this'll be The day that Mario <laughs> this will be the day that Mario dies. <laughs> like, uh, just a side note, that's one of the greatest songs ever made. Um, so, because we're up against the clock, I do want to make the understand why the heck I just made that. So, on March 31st is Mario is Dead Day. Mario dies on March 31st. Why? Well, that day, Nintendo, for some Unexplainable reason will be pulling a bunch of Mario games for sale forever. Super Mario 3D All Stars, which is the three pack of uh, classic Nintendo games, Super Mario 64, Sunshine Galaxy, I have it. It's amazing. You can go to EB Games and buy it right now. Amazon, buy it right now. But on March 31st, it will be pulled off the shelves. And if there are still cartridges there, they must be destroyed. And this is the case for several different games. These are good incredibly well-selling Nintendo games that they're pulling off the shelf forever. And I just don't, there's no explanation why. So then the internet tried to change Nintendo's mind and they just gave very vague, eh, no, it's still happening. And so they're marking it as the day that Mario dies. Well, it sounds like marketing plan. Yeah, but I want... Because that's what it always is. Video games. Everybody should play these games. This. I agree. I'm just saying, there's.
1: They're probably coming back in some sort of new thing. And I. The thing that I don't understand is like, where's PETA or some environmental group (laughs) that's saying like, you've made all these games, and you're gonna just toss them in like, are you? They were get recycled. They got to be just like. How does this work? Like now we're just gonna take all of these plastics, uh, and these cartridges. Yes, it's plastic. I hate to break it to you. Mm -hmm. Um. And we're going to take that and then we're going to take the electronics bits inside and we're just going to get rid of them. See, this seems like a thing like this is what I don't understand about environmentalists, because if this is really a thing that they're actually going to get destroyed,
0: like, why don't they go after Nintendo? I hope people do change their minds. Nintendo, I love you. But, man, this is stupid. Don't let Mario die. Mario, do it because you're good at it. Mario. (laughs)